You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck. Podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on Twitter, but at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouettes Flight Deck is presented by our good friends over at Sport Buff, where right now you can save 10% off your entire order by using the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10. Head on over to sportbuffshop.com for your, all your sportsing needs. And also, we are on social media many places. You know them. If not, we're going to tell them to you anyways. We are on Twitter. You can find us at AlouettesFLDeck. Instagram, look us up at for Alouettes, uh, Alouettes Flight Deck. Facebook, Alouettes Flight Deck Pod. YouTube, almost there. You still have to currently search for us under uh, Alouettes Flight Deck, but we are five. Count them. Five. One, two, three, four, five. Five, I can count. Oh, oh, oh. Five p- people away from getting to 100. That infamous goal that we've been shooting for for a while, which will unlock that Delta jacket, which we've been so willing to give away all this time. Just five of people will join, get us to 100, and then we will uh, give that away. Give it away. Cliff can't have it. I can't have it. Nobody, nobody in our families can have it because, you know, those are just the rules. Um, mm-hmm. and, we don't make the rules. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. And finally, merch. Yes, sir. We do have merch. Head over to twospring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck. Rep the, rep the show. Check out our 2022 line of merchandise. Cliff, I have a care package coming in very shortly. I know you are in the process of ordering one also with some new swag. And maybe, hey, maybe, just maybe, Uncle Tim will have a bo- an unboxing on on, on uh, YouTube. Be- because if you, if you didn't notice already, if you didn't see it on social, we, uh, we were trying to do more of a uh, video content. Besides the podcast itself, but things that are associated with the owls and with the podcast, we had our very first card break. Those the, the biggest rage these days. No, it wasn't it wasn't live. I'm sure it would have done a lot better on TikTok. But you know what? Still, if you haven't seen what the uh, upper deck cards look like this year for the Alouettes, specifically our team set, head over to our YouTube page and check it out. As I said, things to come when it comes to uh, YouTube and us doing uh, video with our. With our faces in it. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. It's very exciting stuff. Uh, we want to pr- produce as much content as we can, not just listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, but we want you to watch the Alouette's Flight Deck in so many ways. And we want to really get you folks excited about the Alouette's and about this show. So please tune in, subscribe, hit the subscribe button, get entered in the contest for the satin jacket. Check us out on social media. We are here for you. And also, I want to congratulate the winner of this week's uh, Sport Buff Flight Crew seats to uh, Kyle uh, Zinklusen. Kyle, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. But he was the winner of those two free tickets. And you, too, 
could also be the winner for future games. Stay tuned uh, for the next draw, which will be our game on September 2nd, I think it is. Yep, yep. September 2nd. So stay tuned for next week's show, and we will announce when the uh, when the contest will go live or you can have the chance at winning the Sportbuff Flight Crew seats for two to see the Alouettes play the Ottawa Red Blacks in Montreal. Labor Day weekend, no less. Yes, sir. Uh it was an exciting game. We had to get into it. It was the return game uh, with the Alouettes and the Blue Bombers. Um, I, a game for, so exciting that 60 minutes simply wasn't enough. Right, and I wanted to ask you a question specifically about that, Cliff. If, if I were to give you three options, which is the one that made you the most excited or made, gave you the biggest reaction? Okay, here they are. In no particular order. One, the missed field goal at the end of regulation. Mm-hmm. Two, Tyson Philpott trying to return that kick out of the end zone so it doesn't go as a single and ends the game. Or three, the missed the uh, the ball of the field goal try off the uprights to give the Owls the win in overtime. Wow, I, I think I'd have to go with. I, I guess one and two would be tied because they kind of bled into each other. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I I had to laugh like. The seconds are ticking down. It seems like an elementary field goal. Like this, this is just a foregone conclusion. Okay, the Alouettes, you know, they they gave it the old college try. They they did so well. They they you know they really got it together. But you just aren't going to beat these blue bomb. What the fudge? Exactly. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> really was that was my reaction more than anything else. Oh, like, I was too. Oh, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, and then almost immediately, like first of all, the shock kind of hit me. And then kind of afterwards, I actually had to watch it on the replay, like watching Tyson Philpott have the presence of mind to get the hell out of the end zone. I was the ball just because, about yes, to that say that counted. for a rookie, literally a true Canadian rookie to have that mindset, a 22 year old to have that mindset. He's been taught well to get that ball. And, and he remember he's not our full time. He's not our full time returner for him to have that mindset to, to, to get the ball out of the end zone. Like he did. I mean, and that's special teams right there. Like, I'm pretty sure Byron Archambault had told him, look, just in case somehow Legio doesn't make this kick, you got the ball, get the hell out of the end zone by any means necessary. Yeah. And sure enough, that's exactly what Philpott did. And credit to him because that completely turned the game on a dime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, for and sure. Holy cra- and holy crap, for all the talk of how IG Field is the loudest field in the Canadian Football League. And yes, absolutely, it is extremely loud. And you could hear it was boisterous. And no, they didn't need air horns. So, you know, if you want that trophy, Winnipeg fans, you can have it. But <laughs> at that point, the gate, the, I, I even tweeted about it. I said, you could hear a mouse fart in IG Field right now. That's how quiet it was. I have never heard that place so full, like 30,000 plus fans, dead quiet. Mm-hmm. Like people are just in shock. Like what just happened? I'm curious to know if there, if it exists, you know, because we, we know that T, with TSN mics up everything um, for the broadcasts and as does the RDS. But I'm curious to know if there was a, an audio clip after, you know, after the field goal is missed. And Philpot running to get the ball is everybody on the sideline yelling, "Run!" <laughs> I'll bet. Like, first of all, like I, I guarantee everybody on the sideline was just like, 
what the heck? Mm-hmm. I, again, it was such like the way this field goal was set up. Like Winnipeg did an incredible job marching themselves down yeah. the field, burning the clock, doing everything they could to essentially make this a walk off field goal. This, this game should have ended right there and then. Mm-hmm. Like simple as that. And that's just, you know, that's football. That's the way it goes. As I said, I was actually proud of the Alouettes for hanging tough and they gave it their effort. And, you know, okay, there's no shame in losing this game. And then what happens? Legio bricks it. And oh what my a br- gosh. Uh, yeah, like, where was that? Because it, it looked like the hold and the, the snap laces were out. It, he just pooched it. He did. He did. And once again, credit to Phil Pot for <laughs> having the presence of mind. Get out of the end zone. You don't have to take it back. You don't. I mean, that would have been awesome if he took it all the way back oh, for what, that would have for the w- game winning score. Yeah, no kidding. Holy crap, that would have been incredible. But you know, no, just get out. Okay, and now we have a brand new game. Yes, sir. And in overtime, as we know. Anything can happen. Anything can truly happen, especially with both of these teams. Like last year, Montreal won a thriller in Hamilton. And of course, the Grey Cup, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, mm-hmm. won a thriller in overtime. So, I mean, these two teams are not strangers to free football. I mean, literally, truly, anything could happen. So it it, it was incredible. It's- I mean, just... The, the the dizzying highs and the lows, like the, the real roller coaster ride that these two teams took all of their fans on last Thursday was nothing short of incredible. Well, I think what's funny is that the, the how these two teams have such a rich history when it comes to crazy games. Because if you think about it, this will go down into the annals with within that list of Alouette Bomber games, which have been just absolutely nutballs. So this will go into this one. Uh, this, one, this one will be added to that 24-point comeback in Montreal, and this will be added to the to the 12-point collapse in Winnipeg. Do you feel like the football gods were kind of like they remembered that 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 collapse in 2017, or like mm-hmm. you know what you, we owe you guys? So here you go. Like this was I don't I don't want to say payback necessarily, but it's just kind of like a trying to right a wrong, so to speak. Hey, it's very potential. Hey, if they if they want to forget about the comeback in Montreal and give us this one two in Winnipeg, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> for those for those of you who don't know, by the way, Owls won twenty to seventeen in overtime. Um, it was the I have the stats here. It's it's right here because I was going back and forth. Shocking. Yes, shocker. Uh, seven. They they are now seven six and one lifetime. In overtime in the regular season, uh, lifetime they are eight nine and one. By the way, what was? I know we're off topic just quickly, but what was the one tie, Cliff? One tie was against Hamilton. Bing, good boy. There you go. This gentleman knows. The- hey, what, for you to be a, a, a co-host for an Alouette's podcast, Cliff knows his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy to remember too because that was the uh, first fan train the yeah. Alouettes did uh, yes. since they came back. We were both and there, I was right? there. Yeah, and yet we didn't yeah, know we each other. There. We didn't know we, each other. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we were on the same train. Didn't know any. Did uh, that's. It's so funny how how pa- uh, paths cross. Um, it, it's wild. I mean, that's that's the one uniting factor more than anything else. Though is Montreal Alouettes football, yeah. and we got to support our team no matter what, right? Exactly. So. That was a fun. Remember that was yep. a, that was a fun trip. That was a fun trip. Anyways, it was. It yeah. absolutely was. Yeah. Um. The game, the box score was identical throughout the game itself, except for the except for the in overtime. Um, let's let's talk about the team here because for the second week in a row, the defense just was superb, and it's we hope going into this week's game versus 
Hamilton that it stays the same because for this team to be able to, you know, fourth quarter aside in the first game, okay, fourth quarter aside, Mm -hmm. the defense had, you know, they were just all over Caleros the entire time. They they were able to control the line of scrimmage. Sacks, interceptions. They did it this week too. Force fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. I remember screaming at the top of my lungs when that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Moore on this defensive line has just been a beast. Mm-hmm. Like he, he really, really stood out last Thursday and he is living rent free in Zach Caleros's head. I mean, he, he was just all over him like a, like a cheap suit. It was incredible. Yeah. Just great play. I mean, all the defensive line for the most part has really stepped up this year and they've really, they've, they've all had their moments in the sun, so to speak. But, the, and this past Thursday, it was Mike Moore's turn to really be that, who, who, what, whoa, wow, who's that? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, that's Mike Moore. Okay, yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he was sensational. I mean, and that was the key, was getting a lot of pressure in Caleros and just forcing a lot of two and outs, which Montreal's defense did a very good job of. I mean, the the big difference between this past Thursday's game versus two weeks ago when the Blue Bombers were here in Montreal was, yeah, for the most part, they managed to control Zach Caleros, but there was also times, too, where... Yeah, the, the Alouettes would do something, and then Winnipeg would respond right back. Yeah, I didn't get a whole. We didn't. I didn't see a whole lot of that last Thursday. Like there, it was back and forth in some instances, but there was just a lot of times where just both teams honestly kind of struggled, but at the same time keeping each other honest. Oh no, if that it, makes any sense. Was, oh, they, oh yeah, they, for sure, for sure. And my, my other, speaking of Mike, uh, he was tied for the uh, team lead in tackles this past week, but the one big. Thing that set him apart, obviously, was the two quarterback sacks for a loss of 15 yards. So that's it. I mean, like that's that's the key. Like you got to get in the quarterback's kitchen. That's really what makes a good defensive line. Like that's that's the start right there. Mm-hmm. And just being able to control, it, being able to dominate the offensive line, your opposing the opposing offensive line, and get to the quarterback is crucial. I mean, that's that's really where you're gonna make an impact, and that's how they make mistakes. And Zach Caleros, for the most part, is still very much an elite quarterback. Like, he's still managed to make plays happen. I mean, let's not forget uh, Winnipeg's first touchdown. I mean, he should have been sacked oh, no many kidding. times over. But somehow he just wiggled free and yeah. just threw up a prayer to Dalton Sean. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Just and like, frustrating as an Owls fan. About that. Yeah. Frustrating as an Owls fan. But it was in hindsight. Now you look at it and it's somebody made a comment on social media. I think it was this is what it's like to throw a touchdown on uh, on uh, the all star setting of Madden, which I think I is a pretty it. good analogy. That's a very fair analogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> since we're giving the defense some love, we also got and was very important, specifically one of these. But Mike Jones and Wes Sutton, guy we've talked about for 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 a lot of the you know for a lot of the season for other reasons, two huge knockdowns, big time. And uh, Sutton also had uh, a sack, which led to a forced fumble. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, put it this way, folks: as bad as he's been this year, that's how good he was last Thursday against Winnipeg. And it showed, and the league sat up and took notice as well because he was nominated yeah. as one of the players of the week this week. Yeah. So hats off to Wesley Sutton. Like he went from wearing the goat horns, and now he's getting his flowers from the league. And that's just hard work. That's just obviously he didn't get down on himself. He, I, I'm sure he knew. Okay, I, I made mistakes. I did bad things. 
I just got to put my nose to the grindstone and keep working hard. And that's what he's done. And I'll give him credit. Like the past couple of games, he's turned himself around. He's improved drastically. Like he looks like he belongs on this football team again. And that's great because he looked good last year in spurts. Uh, this year, though, he kind of started hot, got really cold. And now he's kind of looks like he's trying to find, finally starting to find his form, which is fantastic. And it couldn't have come at a better time because this team needs help in the secondary. This team needs the secondary to be that force, that that driving force on defense. Mm-hmm. And if Wesley Sutton can keep having games like that, like he did against Winnipeg, that's just great. That's just going to that's going to be a confidence boost that is going to make him that much better and make this defense that much better as well. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, it was a sight. I said the defense stepped up again for this, you know, and, and again, I'm sure Al's fans had their, their reservations when it came to the fourth quarter, we were tired again. I was like, Oh no, now what, you know? And, and then Winnipeg scores and we're like, Oh boy. But, and right there, that, that was some really shoddy tackling mm-hmm. when uh, Brady Oliveira basically pinballed his way into the end zone. Yep. Uh, I but, mean that, did, that, that was kind of cringeworthy. I'm not going to lie. Like that, I, I'm pretty sure the defense looked at that afterwards and like, oh god, no, yeah. don't. Yeah, but yeah. Then, but then hey, then we got the they they were driving again. We got the fumble, uh, and that's you know again that's that's what started started it all. I mean, it's it's you know it, it, it this game what really was that even cliff i mean both teams had 54 play- it's, it's stupid both teams had 54 plays overall both mm-hmm. the, basically both teams had 30 minutes of of ball control yeah uh both teams uh their field goal kickers were good and bad mm-hmm. uh both teams uh running attacks were pretty solid uh both teams quarterback play was good at times uh, so lots of exciting plays uh I mean, this was about as evenly matched a team, a game, I should say, that you're going to find. And it's hard to believe because Winnipeg was coming into this game 9-0, and exactly. whereas the Alouettes were 2-6. and six. I Ex- mean, like, uh, yeah. on paper, this was a mismatch yet again. Uh, but, but these two teams, they, uh, yeah. they I, I don't know what it is. There's something about when it comes to Winnipeg this year and playing teams from the East, and no matter how bad the East has been this year, and let's be honest, folks, the East has been pretty bad this year. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I can't explain why, but Winnipeg has always seemed to you know, get played really tough by these Eastern teams, uh, whether it was Ottawa, Toronto, Hamilton, or even this home-and-home series against Montreal. I mean, they had to fight for that win in Montreal. Yeah, totally then, different than the, the, uh, the original back-to-back this season with Saskatchewan. Completely different. Completely different. And I, I love that type of thing. I love that type of thing. I mean, it's it just has to I mean, to continue. Yeah, you know, it, it really does. But that's the thing. Like this team, when they believe in themselves, when they get it figured out, yeah, you can put points on the board, and you can hang with these guys. That's great. And again, I will I will still go on and say though that it wasn't so much that Montreal won the game, more like Winnipeg lost the game. And we'll talk about that shortly. But I mean, yeah, kudos to the Alouettes. They did what they had to do. They got out of Winnipeg with a win, a, a win they desperately, desperately needed. Yeah, first, to even stay on pace with with Hamilton and Toronto for the the CFL East. Exactly. Uh, first time in team history that the Alouettes have gone up against a team that was nine and zero and beaten them. Uh, it is the longest winning streak that the Alouettes have ever had to face in an opponent in their history. Also, so it's you know because we there are I think it's like a like. When it comes to um, 
when it comes to record longest winning streaks to start a season, Winnipeg is up there in, in CFL history with their nine and zero start. So to beat a team at nine and zero, hey, you know, props to the Alouettes. Uh, Trevor Harris, eighteen to twenty-seven, two hundred thirteen yards, no interceptions, key, no touchdowns, also key, K. Key. Um, Dominic Davis, uh, he only had eight yards, and I'm starting with him on purpose here, Cliff. Because I know they call it the Lambo Leap, because there was a story actually in the paper this week by you know, Herb Zerkowski about this whole thing. Could we, is there something that we could call it in Winnipeg instead of the, the Lambo Leap? Uh, well, that's the thing. IG Field. I mean, the IG Jump doesn't exactly <laughs> doesn't exactly. No, jump it off really page, doesn't. But but, uh, but you got to admit though, it, the reaction from the fans who did that used to, even uh even dominic mentioned this too he got a slap upside the head from that <laughs> fan man and, and i think his comment was a little it was i don't know if it was pretty spot on but he goes thank god that dude didn't have a knife <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's how he said it the story so but what and, was it what was your and, thought on that it made me laugh because let's not forget Dominique Davis is a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber. Mm-hmm. So he knows what it's like to play in that stadium and play for that city and to be a member of the Blue Bombers. So for him to to do that, especially to especially all the machinations that came about with getting that touchdown, that, uh-huh. that tying touchdown. Yeah, it's what you need to talk I, about. I, <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. Like the, it was quite the bold strategy to quarterback sneak from the five yard line. Like I, oh, I, yeah, I oh. don't I, I didn't understand it. I really understand, but we'll, we'll talk about it here. The, the day, so Jeshwin Antwi, uh, Tavian Feaster, uh, Feaster actually started, which was we told something we totally missed on, on the depth chart. Um, but Feaster led the team with 39 yards. Uh, Antwi had 23. Uh, in your opinion, Cliff, based on how the game was going, 15 rushes, grand total of 62 yards. Is, is that enough? I mean, Feaster did have three runs of over 10. He did. He was. He was. He was literally feasting. Yep. Uh, I mean, are you happy with? It? I mean, it was funny. Davis actually had seven carries, but but that's because most of them were short. We're on that one drive, right? <laughs> so, no. And again, I, I was glad to see Feaster get in there, and he definitely made uh, his presence felt. I mean, we expect Jeshua and Antwi to do well, and you know, he he put in a, a solid effort as well. It was kind of weird though because again, this Winnipeg defense is so tough to play against. Mm. I mean, you 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 really can't catch them napping. And when you're going up against guys like Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat, I mean, it's it's so tough. Like, I mean, it's almost feel it almost feels like you're throwing your your running back to the wolves, regardless of who is playing. But mm-hmm. to his credit, Feaster played a very solid game. Uh, Antwi as well. Like, like they both had a couple of nice chunk plays that uh, helped move the chains. I would have liked to see him used a little bit more. Obviously, maybe especially to like there, there were still a couple of times where Trevor Harris was just not able to move the ball, but when he was able to move it, he did extremely well. So I'll, I will give Trevor credit for that. I mean, he made a couple of passes too that probably had no business making and completing. No kidding. My goodness. Like <laughs> no that's, kidding. Like, Jake Winicky. Like, first of all, kudos to the Alouettes for realizing that, Hey, we have a Jake Winicky in our freaking lineup. Maybe we should use this guy because, <laughs> Holy cow! Like I mean, he didn't score any touchdowns, but he got those crucial first downs to help get the Alouettes into scoring position. And talk about throwing into traffic! I mean, I, I, I think Winnikey was uh, quintuple covered 
at one point. Like he had, f- it looked like I, it. I, 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 I mean, may as well call him a, a burger joint because he had five guys around him. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Ah, that was nice. And he made the catch, not once but twice in traffic. Yeah. And my goodness, like wow. I mean, Jake Winicky, like that's the Jake Winicky we've come to expect. That's the Jake Winicky we've been looking for, waiting patiently for this year. Mm-hmm. And. Listen, if this means that he's like second half Jake, if this means he's going to be more than just first down Jake, we get back to having him being touchdown Jake. I'm excited like that. And you should be excited too, Alouette's Nation, because a healthy, productive Jake Winicky is only going to make this team even better at the receiver position. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I completely agree. Uh, speaking of Jake, uh, he did lead the team uh, with uh, seven receptions, excuse me, five receptions on seven targets for 66 yards. Uh, KJG had 50 yards on, on two catches. Uh, Jeshwan Antwi actually was able to contribute in the passing game too. He had three receptions for 30 yards. Reggie White, uh, four receptions, 41 yards. Um, who did I forget here? Uh, Herdy Mayala had one for 11, which if I remember correctly, that was, it was a nice reception too. Mm-hmm. And, but again, and we, you know, Gino, you know, he only had eight yards. We've seen Gino play hurt before. I think it just goes to show also this week that he is limited in practice because supposedly it is a hip, an issue with his hip, but going away from the league leader in passing yards and uh, receiving yards they were able to do what they needed to do. They, you know, they were last week. Danny Mac was saying that you need to stop centering on one player the most. They did. Look how many players caught a pass this week. You know, mm-hmm. so and, and it's very easy too for Winnipeg to double or tri- even triple team Geno. So yeah. obviously that that had to be in Anthony Calzville's mind when he was coming up with plays for for Trevor and company. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. You've got to spread this ball in this offense. I mean, you cannot just focus on one particular guy, even though, yes, I mean, Gino Lewis, you throw the ball up and nine times out of 10, he's going to come down with it and make a beautiful play, but that's what people expect. So obviously Winnipeg knew that as well. And no doubt they were doing everything they can to make his life miserable. So in that case, that's where you find the Jake Winnikeys, the Hergie Mayalas, the Kion Julian Grants, and mm-hmm. even Tyson and Philpott, if need be like, you've got weapons in this, in, in this war chest. So you, you got to use them to your full advantage. And yeah, t- to Trevor's credit, he did a, a pretty decent job of spreading the ball around and moving the chains. Yep, exactly. Hathalias mentioned Zach Kalaros, 21 of 27 for 251 yards, no interceptions, one TD. Uh, leading rusher was Brady Oliveira. Oliveira, sorry. Oliveira. Uh, Oliveira, yes. Uh, uh, Brady Olive Garden, uh, 15 carries <laughs> for 84 yards. And. <laughs> Uh, Sean had to lead. Yeah, he he's coming on rookie man. Got to be leading contender for rookie of the year. Uh, did did we not? Is it very possible, Tim, that we just saw in this match like the Western nominee for rookie of the year? Potential, and yeah. The Eastern I agree. nominee. I'm yes. Playing each other. Yep, for sure. Is that is that so crazy to think that not at all? It could be it could be Dalton Sean and Tyson Philpot as the rookies of the year, so to speak, like East and West. I I am not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue that because Sean has just come on like he's he's become the guy, even though he only had three targets. You know, it was still again, we were talking about that touch, that touchdown. Jeez. But yeah. Yeah. So. They, and that's know, with Greg Ellingson back in the lineup for Winnipeg, no too. And kidding. that's as, 
as I said, he's their DPI magnet, and sure enough, I, I I forget who it was that got burned by him, but I mean, like that's that's just what he does. He draws those DPI penalties, but mm-hmm. but Dalton Sean, he he has really come alive. Uh, he has really made his name heard, just yep. like Tyson Philpot has for Montreal. I mean, these the this is the future, folks. Like, be excited because these are two very phenomenal young players that are have, have they, they haven't even scratched the surface to reach their potential yet. So. I mean, you want to talk about playmakers, like people you want to get behind, like people you want to support in this league for years to come. Those are two pretty good candidates right there, folks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, penalties, which have been a cont- contentious issue most of the season. Now did pretty good, only five penalties for 60 yards. That was a plus, you know, con- considering how worse it was in other games this week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, the one thing that is concerning, though, is was, is and was their second down conversion, Cliff. Only at a 30% clip, they were only 6 for 20 on second downs. Yeah. no, uh, And we've talked about how Anthony Calvillo has taken it upon himself to try and improve that stat and try to improve the production on on second down. And it's crucial. I mean, you, you, there's no question about it, folks. You've got to move the chains. You've got to get into the red zone. You've got to score touchdowns or field goals, but mostly touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And we thought for a while that maybe AC finally has it figured out. Maybe he finally was able to put plays together that can help Trevor Harris and company become the team that gets those first downs and gets those touchdowns in the red zone and so on and so forth. And for the most part, the production has been there. Uh, didn't see a whole lot of it last Thursday. Uh, but, I mean, give them credit. Like, once once they got it figured out and – Really, truly, it was survival. Like, this team had to survive against Winnipeg. And I really didn't think Winnipeg played their best game either offensively. I mean, like, they took a while to get going as well. I mean, it was it was really interesting. Like, a, a lot of people would probably say this was the first half of this football game was a very tight defensive effort. I would probably call it a snooze fest. But, I mean, that's me. I, I, I like exciting. I like Oh, I like scoring, too. I, I, I like scoring, too. But the way, the way – we, we like offense. I – Yes, defense wins championships, folks, but offense, that's what people tune in for. And we didn't get a whole lot of that first half. But both these teams got themselves figured out, kept it competitive throughout the second half. I mean, like I said, to the point where as after Montreal scored the the tying touchdown, knowing full well you got two minutes and change and you're giving the ball back to Winnipeg, you just got to keep them honest. You got to just stop them. And unfortunately, that ensuing kickoff, that didn't happen. There were some special teams, razzle-dazzle, Janarian Grant, really put the Bombers in a very good position and pretty much put Montreal on their heels. And as I said, I I, I thought that just the way that Zach Caleros, once he's on, he just knows how to move the ball downfield, and he did everything he could to help the Blue Bombers win this game. All Mark Leggio had to do was just kick that field goal and – Somehow, some way, there is just that disconnect. Yeah, it's it just again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, it, the, it, the kick, everything seemed to be true except for the kick. And I, you know, I got the comment. I don't remember who made the comment on social, and I responded back to it. It's like you know, you know, again, like you said, you know, Montreal didn't win. Winnipeg lost. Um, I'll say the same thing to you, Cliff. It. Montreal still has an extra two points in the win column, you know, in the in the in the standings. One hundred percent. I again, I'll say they survived. They did. That's the best word. Yes, they won. They survived for the win. They, yeah, they got the W. That's yeah. the thing. They yeah. got the W, and that was something they desperately needed. Like, I think it would have been very foolhardy to 
assume or think that Winnipeg would have gone 18 or no this year. And I think even they probably wouldn't have wanted that just because of the ultimate pressure that comes with mm-hmm. trying to live up to that each and every single week. And knowing full well, too, that they've got a, you know, they got some tough games ahead of them as well. They've got the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl coming up. I mean, they're, they've got, you know, they've, they've got their own uh, bit of toughness uh, that they're going to have to come, uh, they're going to have to find a way to rebound from this loss. And I'm sure the, no doubt they take it as a loss. Like they yeah. were no doubt embarrassed because they should have been able to take this game from Montreal and they didn't. So I think now as badly as Montreal needed this win and make no mistake, folks, they needed this win. I think Winnipeg now, I think a little bit of the pressure is off. Now we don't have to worry about going 18 or no. Now we can just focus on playing the kind of football that we know how to do and Again, there's still the team to beat as far as I'm concerned. I mean, BC's coming on really strong right now. They're looking amazing. Nathan Rourke, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this kid's on another I am not looking forward to the, the BC game against Montreal in a couple of weeks. Just If the well, defense I'm, I'm stays as good play. as it does, though. See, that's what I'm saying to you, Cliff. If the defense can, can, can mimic each other from the past two weeks and stay the course, again— we're not looking ahead to the BC game. Obviously, we're looking ahead to the to the game versus Hamilton. But still, the defense seems something seems to be going right. The, the offense, I think, the offense just needs to catch up. Yeah, but again, it, what it always comes down to is, as far as I'm concerned, Winnipeg is still the team to beat. But I think now that now the pressure of not having to worry about going 18 or no this year is off for them. I think they'll get themselves back on track, and they're still going to be a very dangerous team to play come playoff time. There's, as far as I'm concerned, like they are very much a very complete football team and bomber fans i'm sure you're you're depressed i'm sure you're annoyed or even insulted that the alouettes managed to steal one from from the bombers but don't be i mean like this is a very good football team you have you should be extremely proud of their efforts just look it took took overtime yeah exactly exactly took overtime and dear god i hate their for the w uniforms oh God, I'm so, I'm, oh, by the way, remember how you and I were talking, I think, I don't remember, was it off air or on air that you and I were talking that because they were going to wear their, for the W unis with their blue pants, that we were going to have to go all white again. Nope. Nope. Whoever made that choice was like, nope, the owls are going to go on their blue pants. Yeah. Don't go all white again. We know what happens when you play Winnipeg and all white. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I wonder now if Winnipeg is going to avoid playing Montreal in all blue. Like maybe, maybe we shouldn't be doing these color games, these gimmicky color games. Like, why don't we just play in our usual uniforms and 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 leave it at that? Um, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't it's a know. it's a thought. It's a thought. Yeah, take it or leave it. But. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but yes, you know, with the win, you know, Al's now three wins on the year. We have a tough game coming up versus uh, versus Hamilton because Hamilton really has in the past history they have owned the the Owls at Percival Molson. But before we talk about that and everything that leading up to it, including practice that's occurred so far this week, uh, not having a depth chart because the game is not on a Thursday. It's on Saturday. It's on an after- afternoon game, baby. Hopefully, this can become more of a, a tradition. I sat at least one or two Saturday games after uh, during the summer itself. But there was something yeah. that you had said on social media, and I know we're, we're not trying to. It's just something that you made a promise that you made to, um, I guess, to the fans, to Gary Stern, our owner. Uh, if the Owls did happen to win one of the two games in this two-game series versus the Bombers. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I'll be honest, like I really didn't have faith that the Alouettes, as they sat, I didn't think they could beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, whether it was at home at Percival Bolson Stadium. And I sure as heck didn't think you can go to IG Field in Winnipeg and, and get a win there. Like, so I... I said, like, you know, I really don't think this team has the chops to do it. And Gary Stern, the owner owner of the Montreal Alouettes, politely disagreed with me, you know, kind of suggested like, hey, you know, this team's good. This team has what it takes, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. And I said, OK, let's let's have some fun with it. So I said and I was willing to do it. Like if the Alouettes managed to win just one of these two games, because I, I definitely don't think they'll win two games. In fact, I said I don't think you'll win any of those games. If the Montreal Alouettes manage to win just one of these two games versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I will make a charitable donation to the Montreal Alouettes Foundation in Gary Stern's name. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, like I said, as we were watching Mark Leggio line up for that, what should have been a walk-off field goal win, I thought, okay, well, you know, my, my wallet's safe. And then watching the kick sail <laughs> off to the side, wide right, like, oh, oh I'm sorry, wide left. I'm like, oh, and then the return, and the, as, as soon as Montreal kicked that field goal to go up, like, okay, Winnipeg should match this, and it'll be fun. Let's, let's see what happens. Like, there, there's no way Legio is going to brick this again. Like, there's, there's just no way. He, he, he's, been doing, he's been doing the job for the most part for Winnipeg this year as far as field goals go. He hasn't been perfect, obviously. Nobody has, really, when you think about it. But I had I had a feeling that Legio would at least get this game tied. We have another mini game to go. Mm-hmm. But then he doinked it, and it was so funny because David Cote doinked another field goal, and people were giving him the gears over it as well. Mm-hmm. On on, which I, I don't know why people hate David Cote so much because he's good. He really is a good kicker. But I digress. When Legio bricked the kick again, and the Alouettes get the W. First of all, I'm sitting on my couch in shock, in absolute shock. Like, did we just win in Winnipeg? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I've got to make a donation, don't I? <laughs> so I said, okay, you know what? I'm a man of my word. I said I would do it, and I was more than happy to do it. So I'm, I'm not, I wasn't doing it for likes. I wasn't doing no. it for clout or no. any of that bullshit. You know, I just, I said, listen, I said I would do it. I'm happy to do it. And you can see it online, folks. We we tweeted it out uh, from my Twitter account, yep. and I think the the flight deck account retweeted it. Yep. But just to say, and I hope other people follow my example as well. You know, just uh, I think the Montreal Alouettes Foundation is a great uh, a great organization, a great charity. So I was very happy to help donate to that. And you know, if if my example helps others reach into their wallets and help donate as well, and it doesn't even have to be to the Alouettes Foundation. I just chose them because it it's to me the best way to pay homage to the Alouettes for doing what I thought was quite frankly impossible. Right. So, you know, like folks, if, if you want to donate to another charity, I mean, by all means, I mean, if, if you're able to do so, then, you know, it behooves you to do that as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do it in honor of Gary Stern or the Alouettes or whomever, you know, that's your choice as well. Like to me, I just felt, okay, you know what? I wanted to have some fun with Mr. Stern, have some fun with this, uh, you know, this little repartee we had and, you know, I'm believe me, I am extremely happy to lose a bet like that because that means the Alouettes won. That means the Alouettes did something that, quite frankly, nobody expected to happen. I mean, if you were going to win a game against the Blue Bombers, it would have been at home against Montreal right. in Montreal. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but going to IG Field where they really do have 30,000 fans there making noise without air horns, 
you know, like they, they made their own natural noise. So props to them. I mean, as I said, you know, whatever little prize you want to give yourselves for that, by all means, go ahead and do so. But the fact that Montreal went in there and they survived, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They didn't win convincingly. And I, I didn't say it had to be a convincing win. I just said they had to get out of there with the win. And they did not, not the way I, I think anybody expected it to happen, but a win's a win. As you said, it's two points in the standings that mm-hmm. Montreal now has more. Uh, Winnipeg, unfortunately, they're now nine and one. I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Don't no. get me wrong, but the, this this is a game that they had not one but two opportunities to close out and get the W for. Yeah, and they couldn't do it. So, props to the Alouettes. They did what they had to do. It wasn't pretty by any stretch. I don't think any of their wins have been pretty this year. But regardless. <laughs> They got the job done, and I, I couldn't be prouder of these guys, and I'm more than happy to own up and say, you know what, I was wrong. I, I, I didn't believe in this team, and I'm more than happy to say, you know, I'm more than happy to make a donation to the Alouettes as a result, and I, I if other people want to follow suit, by all means, you know, I highly encourage it, and uh, yeah, let's let's hope this is the start of something big. Let's hope this is the start of a winning streak. I I am down for a good winning streak right now. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, as I mentioned before, we have our. Gosh, I, I should have. I should have looked this up. But we we have the a game this week versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, it seems like a lot of the prognosticators, quote unquote, are choosing the Tiger Cats to win. Um, I think it was five out of six, if I remember correctly. Uh, currently, the Alouettes are three-point favorite, which is basically it, it's it's the given three points to a home it's, team. It's the hometown rub. Yeah, Absolutely. hometown rub. So that that's according to, to five dimes. Um, but you know, there have also been some changes too to the rosters itself, which are leading in this because they said we'll talk about the what's been happening with the with um, with practice this week, which I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't go as hell today over at Percival Molson. Didn't get a chance to get out of work uh, during lunchtime and go see them practice. Would have been cool to see. Um, but from what I'm understanding, it's very possible there's going to be something down the line where fans will be able to see the team practice again at Percival Molson. But that, that's to come once we hear more information. But again, I think that well, let's go over the roster changes that they that they had, and the first surprising one, which I'll bring up first, Cliff, because it was uh, it was uh, broken and tweeted out by Herb Zerkowski less than an hour ago, since we're taping this, or just over an hour ago. Or it's very possible that Rodney Randall Jr. has been released. Thoughts? A bit surprising because we expected a lot out of him this year. Uh, I mean, he's been uh, one of those defensive backs that have been truly outstanding at the best of times but uh there's been some times this year where he's just looked embarrassed he's been embarrassed quite frankly he burned on touchdowns or gotten penalties that would lead to touchdowns mm-hmm. uh one glaring example would be against uh, hamilton in at uh, tim hortons field a couple weeks ago i mean i forget i think it was i want to say braylon oh no sorry it was uh, tim white that he had pretty much wrapped up and like like basically had a handful of, of his collar I mean, like, I'm sorry, but that, that was this egregious DPI. Like, they're going to call that every single time. But except they didn't exactly call it. I mean, uh, Hamilton had the challenge to show that, hey, this dude just got a whole bunch of collar in his hands. So I'm not saying that's the reason why El was lost that game in Hamilton. But, I mean, there's, there's been a few instances of that where he's just been a little too grabby with uh, opposing teams' jerseys. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, for a team that has been – raked over the coals as far as discipline goes i mean that 
if that's not a lack of discipline, I don't know what is. And that could have pretty much been the uh, the tipping point for for Rodney Randall was like, dude, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep getting burned. You can't keep drawing these penalties, especially too when we said the reason we're getting rid of Baron Miles and Kari Jones is because they can't keep their players under control. Well, guess what? Neither can Noel Thorpe and Danny Machoja at this rate. And you cannot make this this organization look foolish by any stretch. So, I have a feeling that's pretty much that was pretty much the. Uh, the reason why Randall is being shown the door, if that's truly what's happening. And uh, listen, it, it's unfortunate because, as I said, Rodney Randall last year showed a lot of promise. I, I fully expected him to be one of those stars like that would step up like alongside of like a Greg Reed or uh, Marc-Antoine Decor to really become a star on this defense. Mm-hmm. And it's just been middling at best, to tell you the truth. So... It's unfortunate, but I mean that's that's what football is. Unfortunately, is just uh, what have you done for me lately? And if all you're doing is bad things like drawing penalties and letting the other opposing uh, opposing players score touchdowns, then yeah, you're you know, unfortunately you're going to be shown the door eventually. Yeah. What were the What were the other uh, changes to the roster, or additions, or subtractions to the roster that we had this week? The one addition right now that I'm very excited about. And by the way, I, the adding- I, this is true. Cliffy's just not saying this for effect. Before the show, Cliff was just, he was going, he was giddy as a schoolgirl. Anyways, continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, for a team that I've talked about, the, how the secondary has just been manhandled for the most part and seems to be a work in progress at best. They need all the help they can get, especially when you lose a Greg Reed as well, yeah. defensively. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you, you, you need all the help you can get, especially to like Rodney Randall's not getting the job done. Uh, Mike Jones has been fantastic. Yep. Uh, I mean, Great he's pick. definitely been a bright spot. Very, very savvy move to pick him up. But still, for you know these spurts of good, you're also getting lots of bad. And that had to change. And I think with the addition of Raheem Wilson, formerly of the Calgary Stampeders, I think that's going to change tremendously. And I can't help but wonder if the addition of Raheem Wilson, who's on the practice roster as of today, as of taping this, I can't help but wonder if with the release of Rodney Randall, that now Raheem Wilson, who may now become a part of this, you know, like you could see him in the starting lineup against uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats this Saturday. Like, like this is a player that can make a lot of noise. Like he had, he was absolutely outstanding for Calgary the past couple of seasons. Uh, I don't know what happened this year. I think it may have just been a numbers game. I mean, their their defense has always been outstanding. Like they they always find ways in their secondary to make plays happen. And Raheem Wilson, I guess, just became the odd man out, ended up being released, which was a shock. And pretty much everybody had said it's just gonna be a matter of time before someone snaps him up. And I'm like, oh, it'd be nice if Montreal snaps him up, but I thought, mm, I don't know if they feel the same way that I do. Turns out they do. They signed Wilson, and I'm very happy about that. So I fully expect him, once he gets into the lineup, he, he gets the defensive play down, I think this is going to be a much-needed boost for the secondary. There's someone that they that you can get plays made, like a, a real playmaker, like a, like a Siante Evans or Tommy Campbell was back in 2019 for the Alouettes. I think Raheem Wilson, he, he's cut from that same cloth. Also, those two are former Stampeders as well, so he's got that, that sort of that Stampeder DNA in him, so... If that's the case, if he can bring that to Montreal and really help this defense along, folks, this this could be one of those 
under the radar acquisitions. Uh, I don't know if it could be really considered under the radar though, but this could be one of those acquisitions that Calgary's loss is Montreal's gain and I'm here for it. I am here for this defense getting better every single day. And I think adding Raheem Wilson will definitely do that for Montreal. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I guess any, again, it, it can just make us that much better. So, I mean, it's, um, I'm happy with the, with the, the game itself coming up again, a Saturday game. I guess we keep forgetting how many Saturday games we had last year, but last year just season just seemed like a blip considering when all the Saturday games were. Um, but Hamilton has, Hamilton has come into Montreal and, and won the last uh, five, I think it's five, six of seven or five of six, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've had a number quite recently at Percival Molson. Um, yeah. There was a time when Hamilton couldn't buy a win at Percival Molson Stadium, but that has certainly changed, as you said, over the past six, seven games. Yeah. So it's. And, and just regardless, like whether it was a blowout or just a tightly contested contest, like Hamilton just found ways to win here. And yeah, I, I think Montreal realizes too. They, they had to realize just the, how things have been. Like they've already played ha- Hamilton once this year and was able to hang with them. And actually it made for a very exciting game towards the end. Could we see a repeat of that here in Montreal? Possibly. Could Possibly. be interesting. Yeah. Um, looking at what happened in practice this week again, Trevor Harris was banged up for the first two practices on Monday and Tuesday. Same thing that happened last week. Hopefully, you know, whatever it is that is ailing him will, will get better. Same thing with Gino. Gino did not, uh, he's been limited the entire week so far. An interesting twist actually, Cliff, is David Cote, right hip, listed as a right hip injury, limited on, didn't do, it looked like didn't do anything, participate at all. Or because he's not listed for Monday, but he was limited today and yes, uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Could that be a potential issue? Because he is, you know, he is, you know, he's our main kicker. Yeah, he's he is the guy, one hundred percent. It's always concerning, uh, especially too after like you know he he was able to kick field goals just fine in in Winnipeg, with the exception of the one he doinked. Uh, but again, that. That happens to every kicker sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is concerning, especially to like you kind of need your hip to kick field goals, <laughs> whether it's yeah. planting your leg or swinging the leg to kick the football. A hip is kind of important for a kicker, so it would definitely behoove Cote and the Alouettes to make sure that he is one hundred percent ready to go and not burn himself out in practice. So it, it's concerning. I, I sincerely hope that the Alouettes are doing everything they can to make sure that he's comfortable and. Almost, if you got to bubble wrap him, just let him out <laughs> on Saturday to kick those game-winning field goals, then that's what you got to do. Yeah. But is is it concerning? Yes, it's always concerning. But here's hoping that kind of like Trevor Harris, yeah, he's had his uh, therapy days and you know limited in practice, but then come game time, he he he's ready to go. So let's hope that Cote is in the same boat. So yeah, because the only other kicker that we have on our roster currently is punter uh, Joel Whitford. He's on the practice roster. So I would imagine if the, if, if the Alouettes are going to be making a change, even if it is for a game, you know, it's funny. You, you and I were, I think it was a, I don't remember what the conversation was. We were talking about kickers that we think that deserve to have a shot in the CFL. And I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was in reference to. And I can immediately, I can think of a couple of guys that I know would be more than perfect to take well, yeah, to take what, this place even what, as, as an emergency kicker well what prompted it really was the fact that again watching mark leggio mm-hmm. brick his uh the, not one but two kicks that could have won the game or 
kept the game going in in, in overtime for 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 the Blue Bombers. Like, I kind of jokingly said, it's more like Mark got no legio. <laughs> so, <laughs> and if, if people are pissed off and upset and want to get rid of this guy, like, okay, well, if Winnipeg's in the market for a kicker all of a sudden, uh, I mean, legio has been pretty good all year for the most part. Yeah, I know. But these clutch kicks, I mean, you got to make those too. And if you don't feel confident in your kicker, then I can understand why Bomber fans may just want to go shopping for somebody else. In which case, you and I had recommendations. Yep. I suggested uh, former Alouette uh, Enrique Yeni, yep. first global player selected in the uh, the first ever global draft for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, he he's been doing a fantastic. He he had done a fantastic job in the Mexican League this year. Uh, just posting outstanding numbers. So any team in need of a, a of of a kicker or a punter would be crazy not to give Enrique a call. Mm-hmm. And you've uh, and I, you've got a, a a former connection with the uh, the Arena League. Yep. Uh, do you not? Craig the Leg Peterson. Just go watch this dude kick. I mean, he he's. And don't, by the way, don't slide it just because he's played mostly in the in, in indoor football or the arena league. Because my thought is this: when it comes to that, Cliff, and you've been into you've been into an arena league game, so you know what I'm talking about. If you can consistently kick in uh, field goals or extra points or these new rules, you know the extra point rules that they got in these leagues in a uprights that are half the size of what a regulation pro football upright is. Then you deserve any. You deserve it. You deserve a shot. Mm-hmm. So, so, so again, there, there's definitely a market out there. There is a lot of good kickers out there, and not always enough spots. But again, if a team like Winnipeg is all of a sudden not feeling confident in their current field goal kicker, then there are options. If Montreal is concerned that David Cote may not be 100, percent then there are options. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's options out there. Like there are a lot of good kickers out there, and. People bag on kickers because, I mean, when you know when when they're on, they're great. But when they start making mistakes, then they're the worst people on the planet, which is yeah, I know, so silly. But oh, yeah, that's true. You uh, know, it, uh, it all this I, to say that yes, there there are definitely options. If you're worried about your team's field goal kicker, there are options out there. You just got to know where to look for them. Exactly. Also, we had it's about even though it was two days this week, uh, uh, Chandler Worthy was full a uh, full participant this week. Uh, uh, sorry, today at practice, it'll be interesting to see when the depth chart comes out, who will be where, um, you know, will Chandler be a backup to Tyson? Uh, I think, I think you'd have to be at this point. Cause I mean, just look at the body of work he has done over the past three to four games, mm-hmm. Tyson Philpott. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, th- like, again, I, I'm not kidding when I say like, this is your Eastern rookie of the year already. Like it, it may be crazy to want to hand that out so early i mean we're only halfway through the season but the body of work that he has put together the past three or four games has been outstanding and i'm not just talking offensively but you're also talking about on special teams uh just doing the things that need to be done and again he is still very much a rookie that's the thing is a rookie but he's got that that veteran mindset and i don't know if it's because of who his dad is or this uh competition he seems to have with his brother Jalen who just scored his first CFL touchdown yep. for Calgary last week so I, I think he was feeling the pressure as well because actually at one point during CFL Wired uh, I, I don't know who it was that was chirping uh, Jalen Philpot, but uh, your brother would have scored two times on that <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, t- talking junk about how the fact that uh, that Tyson's uh, scoring touchdowns and uh, doing some amazing things on special teams and now Jalen's got to kind of play catch up a little bit so you know, all the, again, 
all this to say that Tyson Philpot is that guy. He is proving himself to be that guy. And yeah. now when you look at like, we'll see what happens when the depth chart comes out. But I mean, it, it's almost kind of hard to tell him, you know, what? OK, we appreciate everything you've done while Chandler Worthy's been out and uh, Mario Alford was injured and ended up getting traded to Saskatchewan. We appreciate everything you did there. But now take a seat, rookie. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I, I just don't see that happening. I that's not to say you shouldn't include Chandler Worthy if he's ready to go, but I mean that makes a pretty decent one-two punch when you think about it. Chandler oh, yeah. Worthy and Tyson Philpott. Yeah, no kidding. Oh no boy, kidding. And, like so, someone's going to get a house call for sure of those two, and it really just comes down to the opportunity. Like when will that happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to say right now. I got a feeling it'll be sooner rather than later for either of these two guys. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the potential return of uh former Alouettes quarterback Matt Schiltz is potentially the starter versus the Owls because Dane Evans still uh nursing a right shoulder injury of some sort did not practice at all on Tuesday was limited today in practice thoughts well definitely uh it'll be an interesting homecoming for for Schiltzy. uh I mean again he spent four years in Montreal uh he really enjoyed his time here in Montreal and I, I think if things could have worked out that he could have come back, that would have been awesome. But uh, would he have been given the opportunities that uh, he's got now in Hamilton? It's hard to say. But yeah, you know, now he's been given the chance. Uh, he got the W against Toronto, and, and that was a that was a real spirited affair last Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, both teams are just back and forth. Like the, the, this series, like these guys are playing each other four times, and like four out of the five games are playing against each other. And when it's all said and done, like there, this is going to be a war, and like there's going to be a lot of casualties. So this is the opportunity that Matt Schiltz needs to take advantage of. He he is a winner. He has proven himself to be a winner in this league. He he won games for Montreal last year in the absence of Vernon Adams. Uh, he got the win without D- Dane Evans in the lineup. Mm-hmm. He this is a guy like we we have been Matt Schiltz believers for a long time, and we. I don't know if we really want to face him, quite frankly. Like, we know what he can do if given the opportunity. And he's got some decent weapons in Hamilton to work with. True. So it's going to be interesting. Like, obviously, I'm always going to cheer for Matt Schultz because he is just a great guy on and off the field. But as long as he's wearing that black and yellow jersey, it's just a little bit hard to cheer for him right now. (laughs) For three three hours, I'm not exactly going to be, you know, singing his praises but yeah you know he he knows what he has to do though like he he knows this this is the opportunity he was looking for this is the reason why he went to hamilton was in the in the unlikely event that damon evans would get hurt this would be his he he knows he has to make the most of these opportunities and you know he's going to want to do that he's going to want to show up and show out against the alouettes just to remind them hey i was here i could have been the man here you didn't believe in me now let me show you not to mention too He's also got his former coach in Kahari Jones, who still is not – he's still listed as a consultant. Yeah. But if you don't think for one second that he's not working with Schiltze, trust me, folks. <laughs> they're, coming, they're, they're coming up with something. They they know this team extremely well. I mean, yeah. especially Kahari because, well, he was here like two months ago. Mm-hmm. He knows this team extremely well. And Montreal is going to have to really work hard to not be the team – that Kahari thinks that they still are, right? If that makes any sense. I mean, like they they got to show some new stuff, and they got to find a way to make Schultz's return a miserable one for him. That's yeah. really what it comes down to, for sure. 
Um, it is family day at the stadium this week. Uh, $5 tickets for, uh, for kids, which is actually a damn good price if you want to bring your, your child, your son, daughter, niece, nephew, whatever, to the game. That's a great price. Your youngins. Yeah. Bring the youngins. Yep. Um, it's supposed to have a whole slew of stuff. Oh, first week of, uh, of officially having, uh, tailgating back at the stadium. Mm, that's going to be huge too. Cause there'll be bouncy castles. There'll be events for the kids, like for the whole family, really, when you think yeah. about it, but the, the return of an actual tailgate for the Alouettes, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's pretty big right there as well. So, yeah. and Saturday afternoon, folks, I mean, <laughs> Listen, a lot of you do not like these Thursday games, even though they're the done for the year. Thursday... They're done for the year. They are. But yep. again, you cannot deny the fact that they drew 17,000 plus, which was their biggest crowd of 2022. Yep. So and, somebody and is largest crowd since the pandemic. So there you go. So, I mean, I'm hoping with that in mind, I mean, if, if the Alouettes can draw 17,000 on a Thursday evening, which is still technically a school night, even though it's the summertime, like and some people are on vacation, but there's still a lot of people that had to work the next day. But with this being a Saturday game, could we see? Uh, I won't say sell up because that's the ultimate dream, but this is not going to happen. But do you think we could surpass that 17,000? And not by a little bit, but I'm talking like, could we see 18 or even 19,000 this coming Saturday at the game? Maybe 20K, maybe. I, I mean, if, if you could pull that off, that'd be. That, that would be astounding. Like considering what this Alouette's team is, I, I mean, I, I don't see why not. Yeah. I mean, especially too, like, especially too, if, if, if kids are able to get in for five bucks mm-hmm. and you got all these activities and you've got stuff going on and you've got a team that just survived an incredible game against Winnipeg. I mean, you've got that good mo happening right now. Yeah, you've got exactly. the momentum rolling yeah. and you're, you're taking on to Hamilton, which again is a very good team. But they've had their problems, and I think Montreal kind of feels like they owe the Tiger Cats one, especially towards the end of that game. Uh, you know, knocking Trevor Harris out and not giving him a chance to complete, possibly complete the comeback. Yep. I, I guarantee you the Alouettes have that in mind. They've they've got to be thinking about that and thinking of ways to not put themselves in that position again. Exactly. I, I think they they've got to find a way to show that they are a better football team than mm-hmm. what they saw, what the, what the Tiger Cats saw three weeks ago. Yep, and the game itself is supposed to be absolutely gorgeous. 30 degrees early, get there early to have some fun. Um, it's going to be fun, dude. I was, I'll talk to you off air, see what time we're actually going to show up because we can be there at Rope Drop for sure if we wanted to, but you know, hey, this is a game without the patin helmet. So what? It's football, still football, baby. It's still football. So, And we... Definitely have to remember to wear sunscreen. Got to do something, dude. Got to do something. <laughs> um, before we go to, I just want to at least mention, uh, first of all, congratulations to former Alouette's quarterback, Tanner Marsh, and his new wife, Chelsea, on getting married just the other day. Congratulations to you both, guys. Um, all the best to you. And, um, uh, hey, again, uh, I hope, we, we hope to see you very soon. But from what we've seen on social media, uh, it looked like a very beautiful wedding. Um, also, Absolutely. yeah, and lastly, got at least mentioned too, uh, is that uh, former Alouette's defensive coordinator, Baron Miles, has been hired as the same position for the Bishop's Gators. So it should be, and if, if you, any of you didn't know, uh, head over, you can always head to a game over in Bishop's because they aren't playing in here in, Mon- in Montreal because they don't play in the uh, OQIFC, was it o- the QIFC, yeah, the QIFC now. No. No, it's uh, what is it now? RSEQ. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, it used to be the OQ. Yeah, right. 
but uh, catch a game, uh, head over to Bishop's and catch him in a game and see how he's doing for the uh, for the Gators this season. So, yeah, definitely really excited for for Bishop's. Uh, they they had actually hired they were planning to hire Jonathan Crompton, yeah. former Alois quarterback, as their offensive coordinator. Yeah. That didn't that didn't quite pan out, but now they've got Baron Miles as defensive coordinator. That is huge, right there, folks. I mean, that keeps them in football, keeps them here in Quebec. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I couldn't be happier for Baron. And uh, we've had him on the show. We had him on the show earlier this year, and you can hear the passion in his voice. You can tell he loves coaching. He loves being able to share his wisdom. And I have no doubt that Bishops just got themselves a lot better as far as uh, their defensive core goes. Like, yeah. you know, Baron Miles is going to get the most out of these kids. And I tell you what, that I think it's the Atlantic University Conference or Atlantic University Association. AUS, yeah, AUS, yeah. AUS, yeah. So, like, that division is always kind of uh, – I don't think it gets the love that it should because no, it's not no. as noticeable as the RSEQ or even Canada West. But now with Bishops in there and now with Baron Miles – Or even the coaching, OUA. Uh, they, they, are, yeah. they seem to be the red step, redheaded stepchild of, of divisions, but still, there's, it's still great football. I mean, that's it. It's, it's youth sports football. It's still you're, – you're, you got so many good players that are coming out of there. And now with Baron Miles coaching up this defense – I think now they're going to be. I think bishops will finally once again be a part of the football conversation, at least out in, out for the AUS. Yeah, exactly. So, so once again, congratulations to Coach Miles. Uh, I'm glad he landed on his feet. No surprise there that mm-hmm. he was. It was. It was just a matter. It wasn't going to be if he coaches again. It was going to be when. And sure enough, come this September, head on down to Lennoxville, check out Coach Miles in action. I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. Exactly. So, Cliff, obviously. We're looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to seeing you, dude. Should be fun. Um, but again, it, it, $5 kids day for family day at Percival Molson Stadium. It's in the sun, 30 degrees, 4 o'clock start. What better way to spend a Saturday afternoon than at Percival Molson Stadium? So we hope to see and you. Hey, l- yeah? let's not forget, too, Gary Stern, Alouette's owner, has guaranteed the Alouettes will win against the Hamilton Tiger nope, Cats. So hadn't, hadn't heard that one yet. Okay, good. He, he has, and you know what, folks? Come pack the stadium and help prove them wrong. Help bring the noise. And you know what? The hell with it. Bring bring your air horns. Bring your there you go, baby. Bring your cow. Bring whatever it takes to make noise. If TSN doesn't like, if the fans on t- watching on TSN don't like it, they can go suck a lemon. Quite frankly, because you know what? <laughs> oh, watch your, watch your language there, Cliff. <laughs> uh, that's right. I don't want to be fined. But sorry, sorry. Don't know. Came over me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll see you, dude. But no, it's yeah. I know what you mean. Really, what it comes down to, you don't. If you don't like it, folks. If you don't like the noise, then don't listen or listen on or watch on mute or you know what. Once again, complain to TSN themselves because they're the ones with the microphones. Yes. And TSN, if you're listening to this, find the mute button so that all these people stop bellyaching about making noise. Because God forbid people should make your, noise at a football just, game. Just move. Just move your mics. Just move the mics. We'll see what happens. You and I don't hear it. We'll, we'll, we'll just see the complaints. We'll see the complaints. But. Should be a great day yep. for football. Uh, stay tuned to our socials for any upcoming information or breaking news. And again, Cliff, I'll see you Saturday. And we'll see you also Saturday uh, at the game. Come by section Y1 and say hey. So everybody here at the yes. Alouettes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So everybody here at Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D. I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach.
Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.